the Mom Village podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. And welcome to the Mom Village. We are so happy you're here with us. My name is Gismeni Ramos, and I'm here with my other hosts and my friends, Kira Kelly. Hey, Village. And Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. And today's episode is called Mom Budgeting and how can we incorporate principles like stewardship, generosity, trusting in God's provision, and a wise financial management. We have a great episode and we cannot do this by ourselves. We have a great guest with us. We have Dr. Art Rayner. Hey, how are you? Say hi to our village. Dr. Art Rayner is a devoted father, husband to our favorite psychologist here in the mom village, Sarah Rayner, who we love so much. This gentleman has published, ladies, he's an author of a book called Money in the Light of Eternity. Additionally, he's also a fellow podcaster of the show called More Than Money Podcast. So... Ladies in the Mom Village, check it out because you're going to need it. <laughs> and also, he's a financial advisor. So that's why we have our Rainer today with us. But why don't you just say hi to our village and tell us about your people? Yeah, thank you so much, first of all, for having me. It is just an absolute honor to be on one of my favorite podcasts. And, and you are right. I'm pretty much known as Sarah's husband. <laughs> and, and that's okay. I, I'm completely okay with that. Just a little bit about me. Uh, so I am completely passionate about helping people discover and pursue God's design for money, which, by the way, that tagline there was highly influenced by your church, family church, and, and your pastor, Jimmy Scroggins. And so I'm absolutely passionate about that because I believe the Bible actually has a lot to say about money, stewardship, possessions. In fact, there's over 2,000 verses about it. Jesus spoke on it more than any other topic while he was here on earth. So clearly God has a lot to say about this. So I want to help people understand what the Bible has to say about money, but then also provide some practical ways on how to take that next step on your financial journey. So that's a little bit about me. It's the kind of mission behind what I do. I am married, as I've already mentioned, to an amazing wife named Sarah. We've been married now for, my goodness, what is it, 17 at this point? And we have three awesome, awesome boys, Daniel, who's age 13, Joshua, who is age 10, and then James, who is seven. And they're fun. They are active. They have absolutely destroyed our home. It's a very loved home. That's how we like to refer to it. So there's a lot of dents in the walls where balls have been thrown, where people have been body slammed up against walls. And, uh, you know, WWE breaks out every now and then at, at our house. And so that's our household, and we love it. We wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, it's funny because we have the same kind of home, and so people that aren't used to that will come over and be like, y'all have a hole in your wall right there. We're like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you, don't, you don't really fix it because it's a waste of money. That's just going to happen again. But and we tell them as you walk through the house, you're going to see that's a common theme for our home. We like having a bunch of holes in our wall. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what, Art, you and Sarah have been a blessing to the Scroggins family for a long time. Fun fact, ladies, I watched Art 
play basketball and all the sports in high school because we were in the same town and because I remember <laughs> well no because I remember your dad yelling at the coaches from the stands and so I don't, yes <laughs> but they are dear friends his dad was a mentor to Jimmy at Southern Seminary and really still to this day and we love the Rainers and you know art was such a huge help at our church in yes. the early days when we were here jimmy laughs and tells people which is the truth he's like i hired art because i could trust him and because i knew he had skills and because our church was broke and i didn't have to spend money to move him because he already lived in south <laughs> that's <Florida>. right <laughs> and he was only 26 at the time so <laughs> You know, yeah. looking at the, the position, did. what type of person would take this role a uh, 26-year-old would? And, uh, what he was getting into, but <laughs> truly, his, his financial sense mm-hmm. and his spiritual maturity mm-hmm. led our church to become financially healthy and uh it was, it was a blessing then, and we still reap the benefits of that to this day, Art, and so we thank you for that. But let's just jump right in, and I want to start asking you, because this is Mom Village, we're going to talk a lot about family and how money is obviously a gift from the Lord, and then how we have to steward that as families. So let's just jump right in with the first question. How can I create a family budget that aligns with our long-term financial goals while also accounting for unexpected expenses. And if we have one child or a bunch of children, you're going to have some unexpected expenses. Yeah, it's a phenomenal question. And I cannot understate the importance of a budget, or if you want to call it a spending plan, or I like to call it a blueprint for mission, because I believe that God has entrusted us with his resources for his plan and his purposes, which is to be on mission for him and to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. And so I'd like to call it a blueprint for mission. But what I have noticed is that those who feel out of control in their finances, that and they feel stressed about their finances, often they don't have this budget or plan or blueprint for, for mission. And when they do get one, it is amazing to see how much more in control they feel why because well they are more in control how much less stressed they are because now they know where their money is going it's an amazing amazing tool i have a friend named blair graham who's here in the the raleigh north carolina area he's a pastor at a church called the summit here and he says that your budget is one of the most important stewardship tools that you have so i cannot once again understate the importance of having a budget or blueprint for mission now as you said there's going to be times when unexpected expenditures expenditures happen, right? Unforeseen financial emergencies happen. So how do you plan for those? Well, first of all, when you're building your, your budget, you need to identify your, your goals. You need to identify your long-term goals and your short-term goals. And within your budget, you should have a little bit of money going toward those goals every single month. Now, when it comes to unforeseen financial emergencies. I cannot recommend enough you having what's called an emergency fund. An emergency fund is about three to six months worth of living expenses that can prepare you for these unforeseen financial emergencies. Like I have them all the time. In fact, we just replaced our, not the full AC unit, but it was an engine. I know I'm using the wrong technical term there. Within our AC, you know, we didn't plan on it, but fortunately we had an emergency fund so we could pay for it with cash. We didn't have to go into debt for it. Now, how do we have that emergency fund? Well, we were able to build it up 
month after month after month till we got to that three to six months worth of living expenses goal that we had. Now, how much should you set aside in your budget? How much should you plan? Well, it just depends. So if you are wanting to, let's say, save you know $24,000 over a four-year period of time, you need to set aside $500 per month going from your checking account to your savings account to build up that emergency fund. So once again, when those types of emergencies, not a matter of if, but when they happen, you're able to cover it with cash. What about, I'm thinking about who is listening to this, and I think that's such wise advice, everything that you just said, but I think sometimes we go awry with our money and our budgeting because we feel like, okay, these principles that our financial experts give us are unattainable for me from where I'm sitting right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of a single mom who Mm -hmm. is barely making it or a a mom who just had a newborn and has hospital bills and they feel like, don't hear me as arguing with you or I'm agreeing with you, but I'm just trying to think, okay, what what do we do with these people who feel like I can't do what he just said, so I'm just not going to do anything? Like, where do we even start? So a lot of the unexpected expenditures, I do what's called financial counseling. So I'm meeting with individuals and couples, and I work with them a large part with their budget. What I have found is that a lot of the unforeseen expenditures are actually expenditures had they sat down the prior month and kind of looked at what could hit over the next month and really start thinking it through and planning. A lot of those could be foreseen expenditures. There's a planning element that has to be there where you're sitting down every single month and you're thinking, okay, sports, what what type of fees do we have that we may have to pay? What are some other things that could hit for our children's school? And what type of supplies will we need? A lot of these expenses can be planned out, but you have to set aside time every month to look at your finances and to create your budget. Now, does that mean that everything is going to go according to plan? No. In fact, most of the time it, it doesn't. And so maybe providing some type of cushion in your budget with a what's called a miscellaneous line item that you just have a little bit of money set aside for those times when, you know, you have to, to pay for medication that you did not expect. You're able to put it in that miscellaneous, at least temporarily. And then if this is something that you're going to have to pay for in the next month and the month, next month, then you can start planning for it in the, in the future. I love your word cushion because mm-hmm. I think about it's kind of like what we talk about with margin in our schedules. Like you have to create yeah. some kind of margin because unforeseen events happen. And it's the same thing with our money. So your word cushion is really important because we can't live just penny to penny and not have some kind of forethought about what's going on. And then also, I think, being willing to cut things that we don't have the ability to do. Your advice already is so important. And here's something else that I found that relates to this topic. We as Americans waste a lot of money. We just do unintentionally. We're not meaning to, but we spend a little bit here, spend a little bit there. In fact, a recent study came out that said that Americans spend $200 more per month than they realize just on subscription services alone. You know, that's $2,400 per year that they don't even know that they're spending. And that's obviously a significant amount of money. When you start going back through your spending, here's my suggestion. Look at your monthly statement and consider each expense. And right next to it, determine whether or not it was a need or a want. Was it necessary or was it unnecessary? You can even 
rate that on a scale of one to five if, if you want to. And then also consider whether a few months down the road, are you going to regret that purchase or are you going to be happy that you made that purchase? I think and- I have to repeat that. <laughs> a lot of moms are, we're hurting. You're cringing. <laughs> You said, what, do we need it or what? Do you, yeah, so this is what I call the seven-day spending challenge, which, by the way, there's a resource at christianmoneysolutions.com backslash free resources, and this is one of the downloads that you can get. But look back over your expenses, and with each expense, determine one, just on a scale of one to five, whether it was necessary or unnecessary, and then two, whether you, a few months down the road, are going to be happy that you made the purchase or regret that you made the purchase. And here's what you need to do. You need to get rid of those expenses that are unnecessary and regretful. And if you do that, you're going to find yourself freeing up a lot of cash that you didn't even know that you had. Once again, it's very common for Americans just to spend a little money here, spend a little money there, not even thinking about it. That little bit of money over a long period of time ends up being a lot of money. So that leads into like our next question. So as we're talking about those unexpected expenses, you know, here at the mom village, you're here because you have children most likely. So children's education probably is something that we need to start thinking about and planning for early on in our journey with our kids. So can you maybe expound a little bit on Maybe some biblically grounded approaches to saving for those long-term expenses of our children's education. That's a great question. And the Bible actually has to say a lot about saving for the future. So Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Proverbs twenty one twenty says, The wise store of choice food and olive oil but fools gulps their down. So the Bible says that saving for the future, future known expenses, it's a wise thing to do. It tells us to do that. Now, I use a guide called the Eight Money Milestones. And it's simply a guide that helps answer the question, what financial step do we need to take next? Money Milestone 7 is to either save for your child's college or pay off your mortgage. It's kind of your choose-your-own-adventure money milestone there. And if you're at the point where you're looking to save for your child's college, then I do recommend what's called a 529 plan. That's just my my personal preference. Now, these plans, they run through individual states. So you all are in the state of Florida. You have Florida's plan. I'm in North Carolina. You have North Carolina's plan. So they run through the states, and they do have some tax benefits attached to them. But here's the thing. You don't necessarily have to choose your own state's plan. You can choose Y'all in Florida, you can choose North Carolina. I'm in North Carolina. I can choose Florida if I want to. You get to choose whichever state's plan works best for you, whichever one you think is the better plan. Now, you place after-tax dollars into the 529 plan. You invest it. So it's kind of like a container, right? You put the money in, you invest the money, and then you're able to pull the money out tax-free for educational purposes. And removing those dollars tax-free is a really big deal because you get to avoid paying capital gains on the increase. And so I encourage parents, once they get to that money milestone seven, to start considering saving for college by putting it into a 529 plan. Because the reality is you're not going to be able to set aside money in a savings account and and probably have enough saved for college. You're going to need to invest it, and a 529 plan allows you to do that. 
Well, that actually takes us to the next question, because let's say we're prioritizing saving for our children's future. But what about at the same time preparing for our own retirement, you know, in a way that reflects biblical principles, you know, so we can provide yeah. for family and for ourselves later on. So you can advise our mom village that we can, you know, do both if we can do both or you suggest to do one and then the other. Yeah, just really, that's a phenomenal question. You're probably familiar with 1 Timothy 5.8, where it says anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. When we read that verse, we need to be clear that there are many different ways to provide for your family. So I don't think what Paul is saying there is that if you don't have a 529 plan for your child, that you are in sin. I don't think that that's what he's getting at. You know, college education can be helpful for many. But it still would be considered a luxury and, and not a necessity. And and so since we're talking to parents right now, some of the parents out there need to hear this. You are not a bad parent if you are not able to help your child with their college expenses. Like you're not a bad parent. That's okay. If you need to take care of your own finances first, which is getting to the to the retirement question. So for many parents, one of the best things that they can do is to start saving for the retirement instead of saving for a child's college expenses. Because there's a lot of different ways to pay for college. There's not a lot of ways to pay for your retirement. It's kind of like when you're on an airplane, you're, ta- you're on the runway, you know, taxiing on, on the runway. And over the intercom, the person says, if an oxygen mask were to drop, then you need to put on yours first before helping those around you. Why do they tell you to do that? Are they do that? Are you helping people? Or are they not Christians? Why do they say that? Well, it's because if you don't put yours on first, you're going to pass out. And then you're going to create another problem. So it's the same thing with taking care of your finances before taking care of your child's future expenses. One of the best things you can do, one of the best financial gifts that you can give your child is a financially healthy you. If you don't take care of your retirement, then who's going to end up taking care of you in the future? Your kid. Yeah, it's going to end up being your, your kids. And so not only are you demonstrating how to steward your the resources that God has entrusted to you wisely, and they watch you do this, you are also ensuring that there's enough money to take care of your own retirement so your children don't have to. According to, to Schroeder's, so they did some research, 24% of Americans nearing retirement right now say that they have enough money to retire. So that's only 24%. So less than a, less than a quarter say that they actually have enough. Yeah. 44% of retirees right now said that their expenses in retirement are higher than expected. And the number one financial regret of retirees is that they did not start saving earlier and sooner. So back to the money milestone that I mentioned, money milestone six is to set aside 15% of your gross income toward retirement. That happens before money milestone seven, which is to save for college. Why? Because you need to take care of your finances first before you take care of your child's college expenses. Well, you know, 
So whenever our pastors are talking about money at Family Church, and you've helped create this language, I think, but we talk about how God is the owner and we are the managers. And I love, actually, that's not true. I hate talking about money art, to tell you the truth. (laughs) I like to pretend that I live in Disney World and everything is free and magical and wonderful. But on the other side, like talking about it because it's God's. It's God's resource and we're supposed to steward it well. And so our next question has to do with insurance. And it's kind of funny, but it says, what role does our faith play in choosing insurance policies? And and some, you know, regular person would be like nothing like that's ridiculous. But but our spirituality and our faith in the Lord impacts every decision we make. Right especially our money. But I know that for some people, they feel skittish about insurance because how do you walk the line of, I trust the Lord that he's going to provide for me, but I also want to be wise and protect my family. And so I'm going to get insurance. Like, How do you reconcile all of that? And what do you think the best approach is in choosing these kinds of plans? Yeah. So second Corinthians nine, eight, right. It says, that and God is able to bless you abundantly. So then at all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, Jesus said in Matthew six twenty five, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than and clothes. So I mean, clearly insurance is, is unbiblical, right? That we shouldn't even concern ourselves with with insurance. Well no, that's not necessarily the case. In fact, there's scriptures that where insurance can be a way to help us carry out some of the things or accomplish some of the things that scripture tells us to do. First of all, the Bible tells us that it is wise to take precautions. Proverbs 27, 12, prudence, see danger and take refuge, but simple, keep going and pay the penalty. So just like saving for the future, insurance helps protect our financial health and ultimately our generosity, which is our biblical financial priority. Next, the Bible tells us that we are to care for our loved ones. And we've already mentioned 1 Timothy 5.8, right? So are there other ways to care for our loved ones? Yeah, absolutely. But insurance may be one of the ways where we can do that. Insurance also protects those that have been harmed by providing the necessary resources for someone who has been affected by an wreck or an incident at our house. So as Philippians 2.4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then, of course, the Bible also tells us that we have to follow the government law. That's Romans 13.1. And so unless the law runs in contrary to what we find in the Bible, we have to obey our governing authorities. So if the law requires you to get automobile insurance, you got to get automobile insurance. And then obviously the Bible also tells us that we have to, to pay our bills and be cautious about, about debt. So purchasing insurance you know, there's that, that tension there, right? So God is the provider. He's the, he's the owner and he's the provider of all things. And he can do whatever he wants and provide whatever he wants. However, purchasing insurance can be a wise stewardship decision that helps us care and love for others well, obey the law, pay our bills, and protect you know, life-impacting you know, generosity. Because once again, that's our biblical financial priority. And so I recommend that you consider getting, uh, of course, health insurance, life insurance, car insurance, long-term disability insurance, depending on your on your age, and many other types of insurance that can help transfer risk and help you accomplish what the scripture is pointing at here. Do I think that insurance is the only way that that can be done? No, 
it's not a thou shalt have have life insurance, thou shalt have homeowner's insurance. You know, that wasn't one of the commandments, but is a tool that we can use to do these things. Wow, so good. So you've talked a little bit about, you know, long-term financial goals, emergency funds, saving for our retirement, our kids' education. So can you speak to us just a bit about investment strategies? Are there any investment strategies that you could maybe give us some wisdom on that align with Christian values, considering factors like ethical investing and supporting companies that uphold biblical principles? Yeah, this is a really exciting area of personal finance. When I say finances, it, it terrifies you. <laughs> I get that. But I'm a nerd with this stuff. Like I, So I actually enjoy it. And I think that this is one of the several different exciting areas of personal finances where we see men and women of faith looking at the scripture and saying, okay, how can I live this out in this particular area of my life? So men and women are looking at the scriptures and they're saying, okay, I deal in the area of, of investments. How can I carry this out in my work by creating investment funds that align with what we find in the Bible? And so we're seeing more and more mutual funds, which are groups of stocks that are professionally managed by a fund manager that are aligning with biblical values. And so you can go to Guidestone Financial. They have some mutual funds that would fit into that category, even tied. I know a lot of their group there, they are doing some good work. Timothy Plan, Inspire, uh, Ron Blue, Trust, they have some, some funds. And so what you're seeing now are, once again, men and women trying to figure out how can we invest in things that align with our faith and leave out those companies that do not align with our faith. And so once again, I think it's just a very exciting area. It's relatively new. But we have more options now to do that than ever before. I tell you the truth. I, you know, when Jimmy and I went through premarital counseling, um, you know, you have to do those tests that get super personal, by the way. But <laughs> our counselor said, man, you guys are so in alignment on everything and y'all are very compatible. And I think you're going to do well. But there's just one area where you guys are drastically different. And this is going to be an issue for you the rest of your marriage. And I'm thinking there's not going to be an issue the rest of our marriage because we're in love and it's going to be awesome. But <laughs> Everything's guess, perfect. guess what that area was? Money. And we have a different way of thinking about it. We have different ways that we want to approach it. Jimmy is not a Disney World guy. He's a very logical, thank the Lord, very uh -huh. you know, strategic thinker. And I need him in every way, but especially with money. And so honestly, I joke about not liking it, but I really am grateful for people like you who are helping mm. people like me who are not naturally great at it, be good stewards of the things that God has given us. And so I'm so grateful for your time with us today. I'm grateful for the exhaustive work that you have done and are doing in this area to help God's people be obedient to him in this area of finances and also be able to be a blessing to other people in that. And so we're grateful that you're with us. We're also grateful that you're going to come back in a bit and do part two. So for now, we are going to sign off for this episode, but hang with us because we're going to be right back. So thank you, Art. We appreciate it. Tell Sarah we said, hey. I will. And thank you for having me.